all here um and we'll uh we'll just launch right into it i think it's always best to start with a prayer one of my favorite prayers you know it uh it may have been written by him it may not have been i'm gonna give it to him uh so let's just start here in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen lord teach me to serve you as you deserve to give and not count the cost to fight and not heed the wounds to toil and not seek rest to labor and not seek reward, save that of knowing that we do your will. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. It's one of my favorite prayers because for St. Ignatius, who's, um, you know, I hope he would say the same thing. I think we're good friends. Um, he had such a powerful sense of mission about him. He had a, such a powerful sense of his own discipleship and what the Lord was doing in his life. So that when it came to the task of living out his faith, it didn't matter what came his way. It didn't matter whether he was cold or whether he was warm, whether he had a roof over his head or he didn't. Whether he had only a few people to speak to or a number. Um, it was only about the will of God. It was, it, was, it was a very profound sense in his life. And so we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, he's not going to be the focus of today, but... Keep him in mind. Uh, and I think our, our Jesuit uh, brother priests do a great job of emulating him. Now, uh, I did not expect this many people. <laughs> but I think, this, I think this is really important. Um, because for me to be able to speak to somebody and for, I think, somebody to be able to listen to me, it's important that we're not simply strangers. That at least we're acquaintances. All right, um, because just the style that I do it, um, and you'll notice, it's somewhat informal. All right, so I'm going to walk around, I'm going to drink my coffee. If I run out, I may ask somebody to go get more. All right. <laughs> um, so what I would like, really quickly, really quickly, I've got three saints to talk about, but tell me your name. What parish you're from? I want to hear how many people, you know, have come and where you've come from. You know, I know that there are many of you not from the hills, and that's fantastic. Uh, so I want to hear that, and I want to hear just real brief your favorite thing about being Catholic. So my name is Father Jonathan Dillon. I am the associate at the Cathedral of Our Lady Perpetual Health, and I couldn't help but throw this in. Uh, we can eat bacon. I love that. Um, it's a sweet heart bacon weave. I got to work on that. But in all seriousness, my, my, probably my favorite thing about being Catholic is our Blessed Mother in the Eucharist. Those things are really dear to my heart. So let's just start real quick and we'll just run through up and down because I want everybody to feel like at least you heard the other's name. Okay? Dave Elkier, Blessed Sacrament. Stand up. Oh. <laughs> Dave Elkier, Blessed Sacrament. Uh, favorite thing about being Catholic um, is the family of God. Amen. Perfect. John Osnes, Our Lady of the Black Hills at Piedmont. Uh, trace back to, to, the, uh, to Christ himself. Amen. <coughs> Myra Wickham, and I'm from Custer. My favorite thing is the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Boom. Bill Wakeland from St. John the Baptist and being part of the community. Terry mm. <coughs> Wakeland from Custer and Our Lady of Fatima. Boom. Mary Ann Fry from Sacred Heart at Philip, and favorite thing is everything about Catholic. Everything. <laughs> Amen. Well played. Uh, 
uh, Lloyd Fran, the Sacred Heart of Philip, uh, the Body of Christ. Amen. Mary Lou Guptill, Sacred Heart Catholic Church, and Mary Ann stole my thunder. Everything. Everything. <laughs> Julie Lindy, Spearfish, and Mary and all the sacraments. Boom. Um, I'm Matthew Lindy at St. Joseph's. Um, all the sacraments. Sacraments. Amen. Mike Lindy at St. Joseph's and the Eucharist. Amen. Crowley and Pignum, uh, St. Rose of Lima, Hill City, uh, Universal. Universal. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, well, well played. That's a good marriage. Seth <laughs> Dalton, <laughs> 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 uh, Cathedral. My favorite thing is the Rosary. Amen. Mary Antoli, Hill City. Francelli, Keystone. <laughs> 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 Amen. Saints. Steve Hosmerl Cathedral. Traditions. Traditions. Judy Hosmerl Cathedral Holy Mass. Fantastic. <laughs> Ricky and Keith Rico, Our Lady of the Black Hills. Um, Divine Mercy. Divine Mercy. Amen. I was wondering when it would come up. Paul and Marie Niantis Cathedral. Traditions. Me too, and this year's best day, Divine Mercy. Amen. Amen. Jan Hill Cathedral and I Love Our Rituals. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and Desmond Lady of the Black Hills, I love the Catholic faith and family being together. Amen. Family. Amen. <laughs> Kathy. And Ken Van Asma. And the Mass. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, Mass and the Holy Eucharist. Fantastic. Fantastic. We're in the uh, service. We go to any place. Church is Universal. Amen. Fantastic. I'm Pamela Weaver, early Black Hills, and for me it's the love and mercy. And the fullness of the faith, especially the sacraments. Amen. Christian Weaver, I go to early the Black Hills, probably the richness of the Catholic faith. Richness. Amen. Kathy and Richard Long from Our Lady of the Black Hills. Uh, the history. History. Amen. Yeah. We're new, so anybody, anything we can learn. No, that's fantastic. No, I love that. <laughs> Our family, um, Spearfish, St. Joseph's, and the Mass and the Eucharist. Awesome. Lorraine Reese Tachek, early the Black Hills. Probably just Catholicism as a way of life. As a way of life. Oh, amen. Kathy Mello from <clears throat> Cathedral. Um, I'm a convert from the Baptist Church, and I love partaking in the actual body of Christ. Fantastic. I'm Jim Blett from uh, Sacred Heart in Pine Ridge, and uh, I love the universal, the, the church being universal. Yeah. It's easy to find mass everywhere. Hey, but, hey, but especially with Google now. Elisa Burkholz, St. Anthony's and Hot Springs, and mine is universal. Yeah. Julie Gladstelter, Blessed Seraphim, Rapid City, and I love the Catholic Church because it's the truth. Amen. Amen. Bob Roblack from St. John's the Baptist Church, and I do Marian pilgrimages. Mm. Rain Beach, they're part of the Burke family, and I know your mother. <laughs> 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 uh, it is a perk of the faith, yeah. <laughs> 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 
Eucharist. Everything about the church and Curcio. Amen. Amen. And Curcio, yeah. And, you know, amen. That's fantastic. Jamie, can you listen for Blessed Sacrament? I love the people. The people. Yeah. yeah. I love Good people. The body of Christ. Yeah. And Dvorak, also of Custer, St. John's. I love the Holy Spirit and how he inspires us. It's good. <laughs> Marcy Ferrand, Blessed Sacrament. And I love the um, universe. Versatility and the sacraments. Yes, amen. CCT, Our Lady of the Black Hills. I love everything about the faith. Amen. amen. <laughs> Beth Lott, uh, St. John the Evangelist, and Parker. Hey, Beth. And <laughs> I love that everywhere I've gone in my life, um, there's been a Catholic parish block, and it's the same everywhere. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Peggy Sue Mutchler from Keystone, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. The Eucharist and
Gigi Schwab Cathedral, and I like Mass and especially Reconciliation. Yes, mm -hmm. Confession. Mm. Real service, amen. Connie Mitchell from St. Joseph in Spearfish. Oh, good. I love the Eucharist. I love all the saints who pray for us. And I loved it when you came to St. Joseph's right after your ordination. Yeah, yeah. This was a little while ago. It feels like a lifetime ago. I remember. Amen. We don't see. Amen. Virgin Mary. Awesome. Well, thank you all for being here. Um, 
You know, I think it's well worth taking the time to do those kinds of things. Because with any luck and with the grace of the Holy Spirit, you're sitting next to saints. You know, and this is, this is the goal of the Catholic life, is to become, you know, to get our own window. You know? You know? I joke with the Newman Center students sometimes. I said, our windows are going to be up there, and I'm shooting not to be one of the companions. I'm shooting to be, you know, right up there. Um, but that's what we should all be shooting for. And, and the truth is, is, and you heard it so many times over, that one of the beauties of the Catholic faith is the universality and the family of it. We are part of the family of God. Wherever you go, even if you don't know that person's name, at your core, because of the bonds of baptism, because of the bonds of the Eucharist, they are your brother, and they are your sister. And that's a profound and beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay? And it extends even beyond just this. You know, another one of the beautiful teachings of the faith is that not even death can break up the family. That our elder brothers and sisters in heaven pray for us. They cheer us on. You know, St. Paul talks in the, in the New Testament about uh, being uh, like in, in the gladiatorial arena, being a spectator for angels and for God. And it's not just them that we're competing for heaven. We're running the race and all of the, the rest of the fam up there is cheering us on and they're sneaking us little helps. <laughs> all right? The saints are an immense, immense resource. Not simply... Uh, just in their example, not just by the fact of their guidance, uh, by the way they live their lives, but by the fact that they're still alive and they love us. We're the little brothers and sisters they're trying to help out. And so the saints and their stories are so very, very important. Um, so remember that. Even if you may not remember the person that you're sitting to, their, their name or where they're from, or what their favorite thing was. We're, we're fam, all right? So this workshop, uh, the title of it is hashtag torch it. Um, and it comes from one of my favorite scripture verses, Luke 12, 49. I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. Yeah, Jesus said that. All right, you know, I think we kind of have this, I couldn't find two images that, uh, that really illustrate the point, but I think sometimes we can kind of tame Jesus. We can domesticate him. When the truth is, is that he is the Lion of Judah. He is the invincible king, the unconquerable God of the cosmos. And when he sets out to do something, he does it. And when he expresses desire, effect comes about. And when he came to this earth on this profound, profound rescue mission to save his children from eternal death, from eternal fire, one of the things he said was that he desired to bring his own fire. He desired the entire world to be consumed with his fire, not with the fire of the devil, not with hellfire but with the fire of the Spirit. And he says this while he's still in ministry. Before he ascends to the Father, 
the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, he sends out the church, all right? And we have to understand that sometimes, sometimes Jesus is speaking just to the apostles, all right? For instance, when he says, whose sins you forgive are forgiven and whose sins you retain are retained, obviously, as Catholics with, uh, with that lens, we see that as an institution of the sacrament of confession. He's speaking just to the apostles. But at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he's speaking to every single believer, and he says, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All nations. This fire that he talked about in the very beginning of his ministry actually begins to have concrete applicability in the church. All right? And that's only possible when we're living in intentional and radical discipleship and stewardship in our own lives. All right? That's only possible. The mission can only be carried out when we're, when we're actually doing what Jesus commanded and living and praying the way that he, he asked us to, when we're living in him. Here's the beauty of it, though. If you're anything like me, I have to know how, I, I have to know at least, even if it's not the exact way that, uh, even if it's not exactly applicable, I have to see examples. Or else I kind of freak. Um, this is why PowerPoint is super great for me because everything's, you know, there's already these kind of templates laid out. And... And I can infuse that, those already cut out templates, with, with new, new substance and whatnot, new, new vitality. I can communicate, but I, I need that trailblazed a little bit. And as much as, we, as much as we pride ourselves, and it's true to some degree as Americans that we are trailblazers, even in our own individual lives, we, we, we do our own thing. While it's true that we do that, in the faith, we're carrying forward the torch. All right? The fires of God's love, the fire that Jesus wanted to consume the world, has been carried up to this point. The trail has been blazed up to this point. Where do we go from here? We live in an unprecedented time with situations that are utterly new. Okay? You know, I know there's that, that lie to the scriptures, oh, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, there's nothing new under the sun. Globalism is new. Okay? And we have to deal with situations that we, we haven't had to in the past. So how do we move forward? I propose that as Catholics, we always move forward by looking at what came before us. Okay? And that's what this workshop is about. Everything that you're learning in terms of prayer, in terms of pastoral care, in, you know, just in terms of ministry itself, you're learning how to carry this forward. This is a very practical workshop, workshop. And I didn't think people would come because a lot of times people look at the saint stories and they look at these traditions and they say that um, it's not very practical. We need new methods. We need to discover new things. And it's like... Well, these are extraordinarily helpful. The saints can guide us and inspire us. And so that's, uh, I, I just have three saints that I want to talk a little bit about. Um, 
and there will be a break, and I'll be available for questions. These stories are not meant to be exhaustive, but simply meant to move your heart, all right, which is so important, is that how often do we know <laughs> what we should do, but the heart's not on board, okay? We need our hearts on board, and so the saints' stories that I want to tell you today hopefully move you to learn more about them, to implement what you're learning in the other workshops and stuff like that. What I would like to show you real quick is a brief video. Come on, baby. <coughs> I had hoped to show you a video. <coughs> oh, now. There we are. It's just a little slow. The video is entitled Domini Canis. <coughs>
video continues on for another mo uh, minute or two. But this video was created last year. Last year, the Dominican Order celebrated 800 years of existence. And this video uh, was created by a Polish man, and it won a number of awards. I love it. Everything about it. Um, let's see if I can... Nope. Oh. You jump on the other side. The reason I showed it to you is because the very the first saint that um, I wanted to speak about today is Saint Dominic. All right, the video is called Dominicanes. It's uh, the Latin. Uh, it, it it sounds a lot like Dominic, uh, but what Dominicanes means is Hound of the Lord. And Saint Dominic was a, a man born in Spain to a noble family in the 12th century, and before he was born. His mother had a vision of his birth. And that video tells the story of it. She said that what she envisioned was she was in labor pains. And what happened was a hound leapt out of her with a torch on fire. And it set out to consume the world with fire. All right. And... Lovingly, the Dominicans are often referred to as hounds of the Lord. And as St. Dominic uh, grew in his own life and in his own faith, he entered a number of orders, one of them being the Benedictine order. Uh, and at the time, Europe was in a very tight spot. You have to understand kind of the, the historical context. Raging at the time is the Albigensian heresy which basically said that all matter, all physical things are evil. And it even began to praise its members who were committing suicide. It's terrifying. It was spreading all over Europe. And so a number of orders were trying to combat this, trying to go out and to say, you know, one of the central tenets of Christianity is the resurrection of what? The body. Um, and that this world is actually good, despite the pain and the suffering and... and, and some of those things, that's not the totality of the physical world. At its core, it's still good. And so a number of orders were going out and they're trying to convince people not to go near this. This is bad. This is going to not only, you know, end poorly in a physical way for you, but think about your soul. Think about your relationship with the Lord. The Lord took on flesh. You know? Um... But little success was met, all right? And, and the church is really wondering what to do, what to do. At the time, you also had this principle where the state and the church were not really separate, okay? And so as the religion changes, so does the politics. So does the way the state treats the people. So... With a heresy spreading, it's not simply about, well, just build your own church, stop coming to ours. It's, it, it plays itself out now on a continental scale. So the church is at a loss. And St. Dominic, as a Benedictine, is going out and he's preaching. And he, he begins to have success. Nobody is able to withstand his arguments. All right? And St. Saint, uh, Saint, Saint Dominic is not going around and just bashing people with the Bible. He's going out and in a very loving and kind manner, 
as he encounters each person, he says, you know, that sounds, yeah, yeah, I, I can understand why you'd say that. Here's some questions you really need to answer for yourself if that's true. And you know, have you ever thought about when the Lord said this? <clears throat> have you thought about when the fathers of the church, when they began these things, did you think about what they were doing here? Where's the continuity? And it was a very effective and persuasive method. And he began to draw men to himself, and he eventually realized that where, as he was moving through different towns and, um, and parts of the country, that he was taking ground back, that, the her- that he was conquering the heresy. But as soon as he left, uh, the Albigensians would move back in, and they would take the people back. And he realized something new has to be done. I need to leave men who have this mission in mind who will help hold ground. <coughs> and that's where you see in the video, as the Dominicanis, the hound of the Lord, is running through, suddenly there are thousands of Dominicans. And as Dominic went around, men were just drawn to him because of his preaching of the truth. His preaching of the truth, all right? That's one of the mottos of the Dominican order, veritas, truth. And men were drawn to him, and suddenly the Dominican order explodes on the scene. And all because St. Dominic was faithful to the truth that had been handed on to him. Traditionally also, St. Dominic was given the rosary in the form that we have. You know, and historically there were Marian devotions that included things like this beforehand, but really the, 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 the rosaries we have it now didn't come about until around his time. And tradition holds that the Blessed Mother appeared to him and gave it to him. His love for the rosary changed everything, okay? Uh, he was one of the first ones to begin carrying the rosary on his belt and asking his brothers to do the same. He said that every man, in, you know, at, at the time, this is true, he said every man when they leave their house, they take their sword. He says, why shouldn't we? It's a profound way uh, to, to look at that. So just real quick, some virtues that you can emulate from St. Dominic. Study. All right, I realize that not all of us are students. Not all of us like to read. Not all of us are really have that drive for that, that, that kind of thing. But as a Christian, we have to know. All right? The faith is more than just feelings. If it was just based on feelings, my Lord, it would not have survived 30 years, let alone 2,000. Okay? The faith is based upon the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We have to know. So you don't have to go out and get a master's degree in theology. But if you want to emulate St. Dominic... To affect the change and the power of spreading that fire across the world, you got to know. Devotion to the Blessed Mother. All right? Pope Benedict used to say, where the church is, there's Mary. And where she is not, the church is not. Okay? So if we want to set the world on fire, guess who's going to be our traveling companion? Mary. Okay? 
And the third thing that you can emulate from St. Dominic is a desire for prayer. He was known for long hours of prayer and specific forms of prayer. Before I entered the diocesan seminary, I was actually looking at the Dominicans, and they gave me this book of the, like the nine ways that Dominic would pray. And one of them was he would do this for an hour, spread himself out into a cross. Right? After about three minutes, you're like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rough, but... He had such a heart for prayer. And it was that connection to God. It was that constant connection to the source of fire, to the source of the heat, that allowed him to overcome incredible obstacles. If you don't have a desire to pray, as they would say in seminary, begin to pray for the desire to pray. And then pray for the desire for the desire to pray. Do whatever you need to do to grow that desire. But it's not simply enough to say, I don't want to pray, then we need to pray to want to pray. If we really want to be radical disciples, if we want to be good stewards, we have to do that. The second saint I want to talk to you about is Saint Jose, uh, Jose Sanchez del Rio, and he was actually just canonized on the 16th of this month. Profound, profound saint. He died in 1928 at the age of 14 in Mexico during a brutal persecution of Catholics. All right, this is this this um, persecution lasted through the 30s, right into the 30s anyway. This is not that long ago. All right, this is not that long ago. And what happened was the Mexican government had basically outlawed Catholicism. If I, you know, at the time, I would be shot for wearing this. You know, if you were caught holding items for mass or attending mass, Mm, done. And what ended up happening was the Catholic, uh, the Catholics of Mexico said, you know what? Enough's enough. We have to do this. We have an obligation of justice to God to worship him as he said. And we desire to do so. You cannot separate us from the one that we love. You can't tell us not to speak to him. You can't tell us not to, uh, to live a life with him. And so there begins the Cristero Revolution. Right? And they called themselves Cristeros. And all the root word being Christ, Christian. Um, Jose Sanchez was 14 when he was killed. He joined up with them as a runner of messages and ammo. And he was eventually captured. And as he was being tortured by Mexican soldiers... He was told, all you have to say is death to Christ. The motto of the Cristeros was, Viva Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King. He said, all you have to say is death to Christ. And this 14-year-old boy, under horrific tortures, the whole town can hear him screaming, refuses. And in the midst of his cries of pain, screams out every once in a while, Viva Cristo Rey. Eventually, this 14-year-old boy, they cut the soles of his feet off. And they force him to walk to the place where they're going to execute him. And as he's walking, they're throwing salt in front of him. And this 14-year-old boy, as he's walking and sobbing, continues to scream out so that the entire town can hear it. Viva Cristo Rey. Viva Cristo Rey. And they eventually get to the town square where they bayonet him. It's a 14-year-old boy. 
They say the entire time they're just saying, if you just say death to Christ, we can make this stop. And he refuses. And so they, ba- they ban at him after they force him to dig his own grave. And as he dies, he carves a cross into the dirt next to his grave, kisses it, and says, Viva Cristo Rey. Fourteen years old. Fourteen years old. Absurd. Right? At least the way the world would think of it. But little do, uh, do, little do many Catholics know that most of our saints are under the age of 18. So I look at my own life, and I hope that when you look at your own lives, you're like, wow, i got to step up my game. <laughs> it's getting a little absurd. It's like... <laughs> And I can see Jose just like, seriously, Father, get it together. Um, some of the virtues that you can emulate, and these are just things, what I, want, what I want you to get in your mind from these, this kind of way of looking at it is that when you read the stories of the saints, it's not just meant to shock you or inspire you. It's meant to, t- it's meant to move you to concrete action. All right, so some of the virtues that when we look at Jose Sanchez is fear of the Lord. For Jose... Fear of losing his relationship with God was greater than anything that could be inflicted upon him. God was first. The thought of being separated from him was devastating. That's where we need to move. And how do we do that? By actually reprioritizing our time. All right? We think of this in terms of stewardship. What the the bishop is, is pushing us towards, he's actually asking us to become saints. Really. And so that means we have to look at our time. That means we have to look at our wealth. It means we have to look at what God has given us in terms of our skills and our talents. And we have to say, am I using those in a way that's separating me from God? Fear of the Lord with Jose Sanchez? Asking his intercession to be helpful with that. Age. It's not so much a virtue, but like I said, to think that we, we can, we'll become a saint when we're older. No. And lastly, loyalty. Loyalty is a virtue. And for Jose, at 14 years old, his heart was with his brothers in the field, and his heart was with his Lord. Okay? He was theirs, and they were his. That's something we can remember, especially in today's current cultural climate, where it's so easy to be compromised and to become traitors to the faith. And lastly, I just want to talk to you about St. Thomas More. He was born in the 15th century in England, and many of you, uh, if you have not seen the film, I should just assign it as penances and confession, uh, because everybody needs to see it. Everybody needs to see it. It's not a hard thing, but it's called A Man for All Seasons. Won a number of awards in the 60s. Still incredible, incredible acting. And it talks about his struggle. You see, St. Thomas More was a, uh, an extraordinarily devoted Christian uh, and Catholic man. You know, most people didn't know it at the time, but he would wear hair shirts. He would do a number of penances. Um, even when he became Chancellor of England, second only to the king. And when Henry VIII kind of loses his mind, you have to remember, Henry VIII was called Defender of the Faith. All right? The Pope bestowed upon him the title Defensor Fidei. It's like one of the greatest titles you could ever get. And then he just whips around because the Pope won't grant him an annulment. The Pope won't divorce his wife, even though the Pope had already given him one of them. 
Henry loses his mind and declares that he is the head of the church and the Pope is a heretic. And, he say, and then he himself marries his wife using his newly invested powers and demands that every, every, every subject in the country take an oath saying that they believe it's real. And Thomas More refused. He refused. And Man for All Seasons is a wonderful account of his journey there. Um, one of the things that's so important about St. Thomas More is he had a beard. I couldn't find a picture with him. <laughs> Actually, it's really interesting. He had a beard because one of the things he says before he dies, Henry cuts his head off, and uh, before he dies, he lays his head down and he pulls his beard out and he says, he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Thomas More had good wit. Um, but he also said, and it's so very famous, and many of you probably heard this, I die the king's good subject. I don't hate the king. I don't hate England. But I die God's first. Okay? St. Thomas More waded through incredible political difficulties. But for him, he was a Catholic before he was a chancellor. Right? And this is something that I think all of us can look at today. How many of our brothers and sisters, and how many of us at certain times, are Republican before Catholic, or Democrat before Catholic? We view our world through a political lens rather than our politics through the lens of faith. And so the virtues that we can emulate with, from St. Thomas More, but when you learn more about his story, is integrity. The man that he projected to the world was the same one that he was in his heart. You know, he couldn't, he, he didn't um, profess to believe one thing and then vote a different way. Fortitude. He shows us what real courage looks like. He was willing to endure a lot of pain. He was actually locked up in the Tower of London for a long time. Starved, beaten. But he was willing to endure that. That's the virtue of courage for the good in the end. And patriotism, which is a virtue. Thomas More loved the king. He loved Henry. And he loved England. We should love our people, even those who make it difficult. All right? Thomas More shows us that. Um, the path has been forged, all right? St. Thomas, uh, St. Augustine tells us that bad times, hard times, is, everybody keeps saying that. But really, we are the times. We don't change it by simply forcing it through law or anything like that. We want to change our world. We change ourselves. So tell these stories. Learn these stories. We have thousands and thousands of saints, please. You can spend the rest of your life and not cover all of them. St. Ignatius of Loyola, I heard this fantastic quote when we were on retreat. St. Ignatius of Loyola, before he would send his brothers out into mission, would stand at the back door and he would say, Ite inflammate omnia. Go set fire to everything. And, you know, while I was in seminary, we had this phrase, Providencia Dei nos providevit. The providence of God will provide for us. But our rector didn't know Latin very well, and so he would just translate it as, um, you know, God's going to take care of you, which is still true. It's, it's just a looser translation. Um, so a loose translation of this, ite inflamate omnia, is torch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right? 
So go and torch the world. Emulate these saints. Become saints yourselves. Alright? Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.